This podcast is sponsored by Adtran. Adtran knows the challenges of managing a robust subscriber network. That's why they built Mosaic One, a single interface to view the network from end to end. Schedule a demo today by visiting adtran.com slash mosaic one. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Phil Harvey. I am also an editor at Light Reading. I'm Alan Bresnik. I'm the cable video practice leader for Light Reading. Oh, fancy. I know, really fancy. <laughs> we still haven't figured out what that means. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Uh, it means you're the guy to go to for answers, I think. And that's, that's, uh, and that's pretty much what this podcast is all about. We have yeah. cable video questions and you have cable video answers, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the questions is, so we, we, you know, we're doing this podcast a little bit in advance of the cable next gen uh, uh, technology and strategies. Let me make sure I get the name right. Cable Next Gen Technology and Strategies uh, Digital Symposium or Digital Conference. It's April 28th and 29th. And this is one of the most popular uh, conferences that we do on or offline, full stop. Um, So I think one of the reasons we're doing this early enough is because people are still registering. They're still making up their mind about whether they want to reserve their place and stuff like that. And I think we're going to try to push them and say, Hurry up, get in, don't be left behind. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of different uh, topics covered here. Um, uh, so I guess one of the, the first questions I have for you is um, where, where is the cable industry in terms of its, uh, um, its progress as we've been in the, you know, in the pandemic um, has, have things been, set back? Uh, did the, you know, did, did, did they adapt quickly enough? Are the networks going to be upgraded quickly enough and, and, you know, kind of competitively, uh, what's, what's, what's the state of cable? It's, it's sort of a it's sort of split. It's a good question because on the one hand, the cable operators have had to cope with a lot more bandwidth, uh, demands, both upstream and downstream, particularly upstream. So they've scrambled to make more upstream, capacity available sort of on a temporary basis um, while they put off more long-term upgrades to deal with the short-term issues. So on the one hand, they've added capacity to deal with the short-term increase, but they've put off some of the more long-term things that they're going to do that were going to take longer to to implement. Um, When you're talking about the long-term things, those are like structural network architecture changes that kind of get it ready for you know, the, the, the far off future. Uh, yeah. Things, big bandwidth. things like distributed access architecture, where they move the network intelligence into the access network are things like, um, putting in, um, new types of, uh, new types of nodes and new types of, um, other equipment on the network, um, amplifiers and things like that. So they've done a lot of short-term things to get them over the hump right now, but the, the longer term things, that they need for, you know, five years, 10 years down the line, they've sort of put that off for another year or two. Okay. So one of my favorite things about the Cable Next Gen event every year is seeing what kind of alliteration you come up with for the fiber panels. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Excellent. Like feasting on fiber. Um, I think that's, that's been one of them. 
so where are things that with, um, you know, fiber growth in, in the cable industry, um, how are things going there and, and what are they focused on in, in their fiber strategies? Uh, they're still they're still putting in a lot more fiber when they where they can. They're trying to put fiber more and more fiber in the uh, into the access network um, and cut down on the on the amount of coax. Um, and a couple of operators are going straight to fiber to the home, like um, Altice is doing that, and a bunch of smaller operators doing that, um, which is interesting because uh, you would think that the that the bigger ones would be the ones with the money who could do that, but the smaller ones are actually more nimble. And they can and they can upgrade. So some operators are going straight to all fiber, and they're jumping past uh, the next level of DOCSIS uh, specification and just going all fiber. Yeah. Which DOCSIS are we on now? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard it depends to keep on track. Where you live. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the one that's been mostly rolled out, pretty fully rolled out across the U.S. and Canada now is DOCSIS three point one. And now the new spec that came out last year, just about a year ago, is DOCSIS 4.0. And that one, um, they're going to start the testing of equipment for that later this year. And so we may start seeing rollouts of that next year. But the question is whether operators will actually do the big upgrade to 4.0 or will they just try to get to squeeze the most they can out of 3.1 and eventually just go all fiber? Yeah. What are, what are some of the biggest advantages of upgrading? The biggest advantage is they get um, they get both more downstream and more upstream capacity, but they particularly get more upstream capacity because they end up using more of the RF spectrum that's in the uh, it's in the, in the plant itself. Um, it also gives them a lot more flexibility to go back and forth between adding more upstream or adding more downstream, depending on what they need to do, and allow, and allows them to use the spectrum they have more efficiently. Now, where does uh, 10G fall into this mix of, uh, you know, of, of cable network upgrades? Is it is it before or after DOCSIS 4? <laughs> and, 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 or does it even refer to the same thing in terms of the network uh, capacity and that sort of thing? It kind of refers to the same thing. 4.0 is probably, 10G is like the umbrella term for all the upgrades that they want to do on all the, on, in, in using every different type of platform. So 4.0 is a big part of 10G, but it also includes putting in more fiber. It also includes using 5G and doing more wireless stuff. So it's 10G is just the umbrella term for all the different upgrades that they're trying to do to increase the capacity of the network. So it's just an it's the overall modernization of cable, you know, full stop, I guess. Right. Yeah. And 4.0 is a part of it. It's a big part of it, but it's but it's only one part of it. Okay, because I was thinking that that turn that the, the because it's uh, ten is it ten gigabits up and down is the is the idea right? Yeah, that 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 was that was somehow better than Doxus four, but it actually is just it, it refers to including Doxus four. Yeah, the Doxus four is supposed to help them get to that point. At least doing at least doing the downstream. I'm not sure if Doxus four will get them to ten gig da- upstream, but it gets them at least half of the way there. I have another pandemic question, and this just occurred to me as I was thinking through how the telcos kind of pivoted, you know, with their uh, customer policies and uh, their streaming services and stuff like that when they realized people were going to be stuck at home and they were going to be using bandwidth for school and bandwidth for work and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. They had to kind of change and quickly adapt and be a bit more forgiving about, um, 
you know, bandwidth caps and things of that sort. Right. The cable industry, you know, never struck me as that picky about that stuff. It, it seemed like they were never as as chintzy with their bandwidth <laughs> as, the, as the telcos had been. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I guess my question is, was the cable industry better suited for the activity in the pandemic, you know, as it relates to consumers staying at home than the telcos were? Probably because they're, they're a younger industry and they're, they're more flexible than the telcos. I mean, that's why they've why they've been able to command the broadband market because they were able to move quicker and, and didn't have to deal with um, uh, antiquated technology, outdated technology that was already in place. So yeah, policy-wise, they probably also are quicker to move though. Some, some cable operators have gotten a little calcified too, just like the telcos have. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Uh, when, when I guess when they get to, yeah, it does. It, it that's a good point about it being a younger industry. It's like I think about you know cable is like an outdated term, but even though that term is outdated and sort of what we refer to cable, you know, referring to old cable TV and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. it's still pretty young. I mean, telcos have been you know are hundreds of years old, and the cable mm-hmm. industry really just came about in the last fifty or so. Yeah, the industry is about like seventy years old. Uh, I guess altogether, and but but it really didn't come into its own until like the 1980s. So it's only been like sort of common to every uh, for the past 40 years. While telcos seem like they've been around forever. Yeah, even less time for me. We didn't have cable growing up. (laughs) (laughs) No cable television. My dad convinced our friends we had free TV because we had rabbit ears and that's right. You can still get your free TV now. Right, exactly. Well, my parents tried to convince me we had color TV by taking their black, our black and white TV and getting these color strips and putting it over the screen. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I think our parents would have been friends. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it worked for like a day. We saw green on the bottom and middle and red on top. (laughs) I just remember giving myself headaches trying to watch the UHF channels because they were so... the, the, the reception was so bad that I would have to kind of squint to see what was going on. If I was watching a baseball game or something mm-hmm. like an out of, out of market baseball, I would watch right. on the UHF channels. And of course I was squinting so hard that I gave myself headaches. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> That's when I learned to love radio. <laughs> That's right. um, you don't get a headache looking at radio. That's yeah. No, I don't. I can stare at it all day long. It doesn't right. hurt. <laughs> Alan, I also noticed there's another panel on cable goes virtual. Where are things at on um, cable's virtualization journey, so to speak, and in, in virtualizing some things like, uh, I suppose, set top boxes and and routers and gateways and, and things like that. How's they that seem going? to be, they seem to be making steady progress now. I mean, they got off to a late start, right? The telcos, some of the telcos were quicker on that, but uh, cable operators seem to be gaining momentum now in terms of uh, especially with with set-top boxes and with and with routers and with some of the other equipment in the access network. But uh, I think we'll find out a lot more on that panel because you'll be moderating it, right? Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got I got to sign off now so I can do some research. <laughs> yeah, really. Boy, put you put you right on the spot. Um, no, I, I I think that I think they're making steady progress now. They they uh, they they I'm seem to notes. <laughs> they seem to really care about putting things into software and, and not 
and not hanging on to the customized hardware anymore. Yeah. I think that's also going to help them that and the embrace of the cloud in general is going to help them. And Jeff Baumgartner has been writing about this more and more about how cable companies are, you know, they're finally getting to that point where they're going to start competing with one another across territorial lines. That right. Used to We've be. been waiting for that forever. Yeah. It used to be sacred and they started doing it with some streaming services. And in fact, I think that might be what ends up being the, the kind of the entry point for a lot of uh, mm-hmm. that activity. Um, you know, Comcast is almost the exception that proves the rule, you know, because they were selling, you know, some of their home networking technology through other cable providers, I think. Right. And, uh, and, and now, you know, with streaming services becoming so popular, um, it really doesn't matter how, you, you know, how the subscriber gets to them. It's, it's how they're bundled and packaged and, you know, and who, who's, who's got it on offer. I, I see an opportunity there for cable operators to really start um, showing up in each other's territories. And that could be very interesting. Um, and that, and, and that, mobile as well, I guess. Right. I mean, I guess the cable providers are becoming a real force in the mobile industry as far, Mm -hmm. especially as far as consumers are concerned. Yeah. I was going to say that I I can see easily see them competing against each other with mobile services. Uh, I would think that the Comcast and charters and the Altesis of the world will, uh, and maybe Cox too in North America will all go nationwide with their mobile services and just be competing against each other. Yeah. What, um, uh, you know, we were, got about five more minutes, but like, what would you say is your, uh, existential crisis for the cable industry in terms of like, if, if you're looking at two or three, oh, two or three challenges, uh, that they have ahead that you're, that, that, you know, they're probably going to meet head on, but, but it's not sure how they're going to turn out. Like what are, what are like the big unanswered questions on this, on, on that front? Yeah, let well, hypotheticals wake you up at 3 a.m. <laughs> That's what we want to know. <laughs> I guess I guess one big question is whether cable is going to stay a, a big pay TV player or not and, ha- and how that's going to happen because traditional pay TV is, is going by the wayside, right? And a lot of operators are exiting the business or downplaying the business and, and trying to make the pivot over to be being a streaming player and being the aggregator of streaming services, which makes sense. But the question is whether they'll keep be able to keep control of that or whether the video business will just spin out of their control totally and they'll just lose that, which would be ironic since that was what started the cable industry all to begin with. Yeah, That's uh, what gave them the entry point to do broadband was the fact that they already had that wire into the house and it had right. extra bandwidth on it. Um, right. it. You know, under that, to follow that thought just a little bit, um, do you think this spinning out of direct TV into its own company might, uh, that, that, that the cable operators might em- embrace that or, or maybe they might do, how do you, how do you think they're competitively going to react to that? That's an interesting thing. Cause it is kind of at and kind of getting rid of it. Um, you know, putting, putting it out by itself because it's not a growth business anymore, but man, they still serve millions and millions of people. It's true, and when they was and when they were a separate company as Directv, they gave cable all sorts of headaches. I think cable was probably very happy when AT and T bought them over, bought them up and screwed around with them a lot, right? Um, I don't know whether the satellite TV business will ever be what it used to be um, with streaming around. I don't because it's just more expensive to operate, right? Um, so I don't know if they're really worried about 
the satellite guys. I think they're much more they're much more trying to figure out what to do about streaming and how they keep some some sort of um, how they stay in that game at all and, and how much control they can keep over that. I mean, if they made a new show where they brought back Black Widow from the Avengers, I would sign up <laughs> to watch that. <laughs> That's what it would take. We're, we're so, waiting for that Black Widow origin story, aren't we? <laughs> hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all the... Like so it's that. <laughs> it's yeah. all exclusive content. That that would get you to flip back over to Satellite is, uh, is some kind of do, hidden Marvel channel that nobody knows about. Well, the yeah. direct... <laughs> If DirecTV ever loses the NFL, I don't. Know. I think that's that's like like honor for them, right? It's it really was one of the only things that held people to a quote unquote traditional pay TV package. And I'm I'm you know I'm located in Texas, and so most everyone that I know that had a DirecTV package had the NFL Sunday ticket. There was just I I, I know zero Dish Network customers. It was all DirecTV and it was all NFL. So yeah, that would be a huge. Uh, uh, kind of, I don't know, maybe a death knell for DirecTV. That would definitely change things for them. Because I, I, I assume that sooner or later the NFL will join the other leagues and go to go to its own streaming service. It seems like they should, doesn't it? And it yeah. seems like that that being the, because they're the league and they can control the content and they, you know, permission it out to broadcasters anyway, it seemed like they would want to do what they did with the NFL network, which was, you know, um, slowly take back some of the exclusivity and keep it on their own platforms right. and, you know, decide, decide which streaming service there, you know, becomes kind of their, uh, their, the king maker, you know, they become kind of the king maker of one of the streaming services or something like that. Right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see when the, I don't know when the TV contracts up again, it'd be interesting to see when that happens, what they do. Don't know, but uh, we will. Uh, uh, well, that's a, that's another. Yeah, that's another great topic to get into. But uh, uh, but back to uh, back to the existential crisis. So yeah, will they get into the pay? T- will they get out of the pay TV service? Will they upgrade their networks quickly enough? Um, uh, where where will they go in terms of virtualization and cloudification? Um, we're going to be hitting all of those things. Or actually, Alan and and sometimes Kelsey will be <laughs> at the. Uh, <laughs> Cable Next Gen Technology and Strategies Digital Conference. It's coming up April 28th and 29th. Uh, it's going to just go to lightreading.com and you can find the, the, the place to register for the conference. There's, uh, uh, you know, two full days of keynote sessions and panels and really good topics. And, and you know, like I said, unequivocally, it's, it's one of the most popular conferences that Light Reading uh, has done and has ever done. And uh, Alan, any 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 parting words before uh, before we send people to start clicking and signing up? Uh, just that it's free because uh, because it's digital. <laughs> that's right, and it's, it's the low our, low price of free. <laughs> that's right, and this is our fourteenth year of doing it. We we got through lucky thirteen during the pandemic year, so now we don't have to worry about. <laughs> that yeah, and we had one year with that bomb cyclone. That's Denver. right, we did. That's right, yeah. I remember we're being just trapped. All the odds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Nothing stops the cable next gen conference. So go sign up now. We hopefully don't have to worry about the weather this year since it's digital. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, Okay, Alan, thanks so much for being on the uh, podcast. We appreciate your time. Sure. Thanks for having me.
That's it. That's our show for today. Thanks to our amazing producer, Tian Fu, for all his hard work editing the podcast. And also a big thanks to our listeners for tuning in and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. If you have any ideas about a future podcast topic or a potential guest for the show, please email us at editors at lightreading.com. Please also tell a friend to subscribe and thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. We'll see you next time. This podcast is sponsored by Adtran. Adtran knows the challenges of managing a robust subscriber network. That's why they built Mosaic One, a single interface to view the network from end to end. Schedule a demo today by visiting adtran.com slash mosaic one.